There's one verse I closed with last week. And I think this is a word in season for someone. I close with this and I was going to go on in my notes here. I'm just going to, I'll maybe read something later from them if I need it. But this is what came to my mind. And this is where I want to start from. From where I ended last week. Because I've got a word for someone. A word for all of you. And it's a word that God's placed in my heart over the last week. And it's for you who are crushed. Fed up with it all. Finished in your faith. Or finished with the ministry. Or finished with people. This is for you. Finished with their circumstance. And you can't see a way out. Now maybe you're one of those fortunate people who never has any problems in their life. Well, maybe you'd like to listen to because the problems will come no matter who you are. Things are going to happen. But if you listen to this this morning, and I mean listen and take it, be a hearer and a doer, I believe things will change. I'm preaching to me this morning. Okay? Preaching to me. Let's read the last verse of 1 Kings 18. Verse 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Take note. Take note. Only by the hand of the Lord and no other way. When we read about Samson, it was the Spirit of the Lord was upon Samson. And if it's not going to be the Lord then it's not going to work. And if we're not totally trusting and relying on him, there's no fruit. Nothing's going to advance. No vision will be in your life. And if the, if the Lord isn't leading you completely, I forget about your worldliness. The places the worldliness calls you to or where you take. Forget about all those things that at the moment you need to see. Lord, is your hand on me? Now, if you're a believer, here's number one. No matter how you think, feel, or act this morning. No matter what your worry, fear, problem, or anxiety is this morning. No matter how you're feeling fed up or run down or can't go on anymore. Here's one thing. In the new covenant, if you're a believer here this morning, if you're listening to this, the hand of the Lord is not only upon you, the spirit of the Lord is within you. The spirit of God is in you. Now, neither give place to the devil where you go and lead your life and go to places where you wouldn't want Jesus if if he took you by the hand to take you. So don't give place, but realize this, that you are love with redeeming love, and let that be your theme this morning. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Turn with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 
And in this reading, we'll remember last week, there's a famine in 1 Kings 18. And in that famine, Ahab is the wicked king of the house of Israel with his wife Jezebel. Jezebel overlorded Ahab. Ahab used to run to Jezebel. And Ahab used to cry on Jezebel's shoulder. What do you tell you what's happening, Jezebel? Now, a Jezebel spirit ruling a house of a man who's meant to be an Israelite or a child of God here in this case. There's something wrong. It's unscriptural. It's unscriptural. Brethren, can I say this from my heart? Be the priest of your home. Grow up in God and lead your family in God. Ahab is sent for by Obadiah. Well, through Elijah. He meets Elijah. And Elijah tells Ahab then what's going to happen. There's a sound of an abundance of rain. Remember, he hears the rain before it even hits the ground. The man of God can hear things. They can see in the spiritual realm, as it were. That's not being airy-fairy. I'm talking about they see it. They have the discernment of the Spirit. They, They can see things. They can hear things. They understand things. They know world events. They know community events. They see what's going on in people's lives. They can give words of knowledge. All of these things is from the man and the woman who are in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And he hears it before it hits the ground. And the servant sees a cloud the size of a man's hand, a small thing, remember. And by the time he comes back and forward seven times, Elijah says, the rain's coming, yet there's only a small cloud. And when he goes out, the skies are black with rain. And so we're told in this verse that Elijah girds up his his garments, as it were, or his skirts, and he runs to Jezreel. And he overtakes Ahab in his chariot. Remember I told you the gird up was to gather up your garments so as you didn't trip like a long skirt they gathered it up and most of them wore like a pantaloon under their skirts they gathered it up and they wrapped it around themselves like a, it was like a big nappy and some over their arm and they ran so that it didn't trip them up and it didn't cause them to fall or it didn't hinder them or hold them back now when we get to 1 Peter and 1 Peter says look at 1 Peter chapter 1 I'd love to go into all this, but I haven't time. Peter says, wherefore, verse 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know what Peter's telling us here? Peter's saying to you this morning, look, see if you want to go on and move forward in God. You need to start girding up the loins of your mind. He's speaking here to the strangers scattered abroad, as it were, or the strangers scattered throughout Pontius and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. And this is was the scattered Israelites. He's saying, listen, you'll know what I mean. Gird up the loins of your minds. You'll know what these scriptures mean. He says, gird it up. 
You know why? Because in Exodus chapter 12, when they were coming out of Egypt, they were waiting for the deliverance. They were waiting for the breakthrough. They were waiting for the word of God to take fruition. They were waiting for it to happen as Moses had proclaimed, let my people go in the name of Yahweh. They were waiting for it. It's happening tonight. The blood has been shed. It's been applied. Now we're sitting waiting with our shoes on our feet, but with our staff in our hand. And our loins were girded. In other words, they had their garments already wrapped around. For when the trumpet would sound, as it were, or when the call came forward, they stepped out through the doorway of the blood. And when they came through the doorway of the blood, that was their breakthrough. That was their deliverance. That was God bringing to pass that which he had proclaimed and that what he had said. And they were sitting waiting. But what if it didn't happen? What if it didn't happen? What if it didn't come to pass? What if this wasn't true? What if this wasn't real? What if this wasn't right? You see, their minds had to be in repentance. Their mind had to be turned toward what God had said through Moses. Their mind had to be ready. Their mind had to be prepared. They had to have it within their minds, within their hearts, that they were moving forward exactly as God had said. This is the same idea Peter uses when he uses it in a spiritual term. Gird up the loins of your mind, brethren, sisters. Things that are holding you, the things that are crushing you. Listen, if there's something in your life or someone in your life who's causing you to live wrong or to do wrong, if there's something or someone in your life who's dragging you down, who is not spiritually uh, 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 applicable in your life, then you know God has uh, that blessed gift of subtraction. And let him subtract out of your life the things that need subtracted. What is it that holds you back? What is it that drags you down? What is it that's, that's a weight that's, uh, that's dragging upon you everywhere you're going, that you're carrying along? That is the things to move on in God, to see the breakthrough. You need to wait upon the Lord and renew your strength, and he will cause you to mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not be where you will walk and not faint. It's... Understanding from the mind. The mind is a battlefield where wars are fought and won or wars are fought and lost. And if the mind is taking in the word of God to drop it into the heart, you're going to win. If you understand how small you feel, how little you you think you are, how weak and contemptible and despised and all of those things, you can feel like that and think think like that and, and you can stay like that. But if you realize, look, I can't do anything without you, Lord. But your word says, your word promises, your word has told me that you are within me. And you are bigger than all of these things. You are greater than all of these things. And if it means waiting for the breakthrough, waiting for the promise, waiting for that to come to pass, then wait, but be ready. For God will do it. God will do it. Turn with me a moment for to... Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And let your eye run down to verse 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace 
which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren. In other words, this is what I want to leave you with, he says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What you're thinking will determine how you live. What you're listening to will determine how you think. You know, if you let your, head, your ear be a garbage can, you're going to get your head full of rubbish. If you let your ear be a garbage can, you're going to let your head get full of rubbish. Now, that's a garbage can. If you let your ear be a garbage can for a friend who just wants to give off about this, that, and the other, or whether that be the devil himself or someone else. See someone who's always given you uh, the negative report. That person or someone who is unspiritual, you need to look and see, can you bring them any further along? Here's the thing, you can only bring people so far. I know Guy won't mind me saying this, and I'm sure the rest of the team as well, but Guy leading the worship can only bring us so far. Can only do so much. If people don't worship, there's nothing he can do about that. I can only bring this church so far. And I can only preach so much. It's what the church does with the word. It's what you do. Do you hear it and go out and say there's another Sunday clocked? And if you're going there and there's a Sunday clock, but I wish it was like this and I wish it was like that, then get involved and do something yourself. What about that? Get involved and do something yourself, something positive. Here's the thing. Whatsoever things are true and just, whatsoever things that are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think about what you're hearing. Lord, you're speaking to me this morning. And you go home and you say, well, you're speaking to me. But you throw it out. And if you throw it out, the word is not effect to you. And what happens is our hearts become calloused. And whenever I'm telling you small things in the hands of a big God, and I'm trying every week to apply it to you and apply it to you and apply it to you, and it seems the more you apply, the more people say this is great and they do nothing with it. We need to apply the word to our lives. When we're sitting in in our house or when we're out for a walk, do we ever think, you know, there's no one around, I'm going to pray. Or sitting in the house watching the, 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 the box in the corner, do you ever think, you know what, I don't want to watch that, I want to go and worship you.
here we have where you are in your mind is where you'll be in your life. And where you are in your mind in the things of God is where you'll stay. You'll stay there. And if you want to move forward in God, if you want God to open your life and open your heart, and God has spoken to some of you many times, and God has moved upon some of you many times. I know I'm in your homes. I know God has told you to do things. God's told you about worship. God has told you what to do. And you're telling me about it. And what do I tell you? Somebody phoned me the other week and were gushing at me about how great God was because this is what God told them and from now on this is the way they're going to be. Haven't seen them since. Haven't seen them since. Not once. The idea is this isn't condemnation to you brothers and sisters. This is what do we do with the word of God? What do we do when we hear it? Do we take and say, I am a child of God. I am uh, uh, born again of the Spirit. God lives within me. I'm washed in the blood. Do we do that? And take it in and say, I'm going to live in the victory of that. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. You love me in spite of me or, uh, uh, and not because of me. And you'll always love me. Do we place other things in front of him? Do we place activities in front of him? Do we go to places we shouldn't be going and carrying the Spirit of God and expecting the anointing to be upon us? It's different carrying the Spirit, you know, and carrying the felt anointing. Here we have in your mind... And folks, I, I'm just opening my heart as your pastor. He's in your homes and praying with you and loving you, hearing you, listening. I'm opening my heart to you this morning. This is how I've been praying. This is what I feel just that I want to give you, that God wants you to hear. There's a necessity to start, to start from this moment. Start moving forward. Start entering in. To stop being afraid of other people and what to think and what to say and who'll like you and who won't like you and who's for you and who's against you. Listen, God's on your side. He's your God. I can't come to church because this. Listen, I'm one of those ones who I go, hey, okay. Because if God doesn't do it, I can't. I had my wife with a newborn and a two-year-old driving from Belfast to Dublin for three years every Sunday. And it's how you fix your mind. We fixed our minds that we were going to serve the Lord no matter what. We were going to be there no matter what. We fixed our minds that, Lord, we want to be in your presence, in your service. We want to be doing what's right. We want to be there. We want to serve you because our minds were fixed, our hearts were full, because we were in love with Jesus. We loved him, and we knew that he loved us, that's why we were saved. And because he loved us so much, we loved him in return, and nothing was too small, and nothing was too great for us to do for him. Hey, folks, I'm not 
saying that to condemn him, saying that to show you. It's easy now in this, I'll put it in brackets, Laodicean church age period. That's the last church age before the coming of Christ. And it's a lukewarm church and Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth. You're neither hot nor cold. I'll come and go. And you know what happens? People say, I'm not going to let him tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just bringing you God's word. That we would take God's word in our hearts and do something with it. And live for him. We have such potential with a faithful God. But again, I can only do so much. And I have to leave it with you. And God. This morning, if you're weak and weary, people think to be small in mind and weak and weary. Turn with me to Matthew 5. I'll round this up in a moment. People say, oh, pastor condemned us all today. I'm not. If I'm bringing you God's word and God's speaking to you, that's between you and God. Then you know that God is dealing with your heart. God's speaking to you. And for weeks I'm saying, small things in the hands of a big God. Understand who you are in God. And by all means, that's right. But notice this. Matthew 5, just one verse. Verse 5. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now listen, he didn't say blessed are the weak. Don't mistake meekness for weakness. A man or a woman who's in love with Jesus, a man or a woman who's filled with the Spirit, a man or a woman who knows their Father, a man or a woman who's, who desires God and God alone, a man or a woman who, who have come under the authority of the Word and, and they seem meek because they're trying to walk and they're human. They feel in the fall and all, but we rely on God's grace. But a man and a woman who are like that, people tend to think they're weak. Because they're meek. Because they're meek. And so to be meek, people think you have to go and you have to hide uh, in a cave and put on a hurry shirt and beat yourself stupid and climb up and down walls and go over broken glass on hands and knees just to make yourself seem meek and holy. Look, just be yourself. Be a man, be a woman, be a human. But love Jesus and that will keep you right. Love him and that will keep you right. And that will keep you on fire. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Notice this. Listen to what the term for meek means. It means they who humble themselves before God and acknowledge their utter dependence upon him. And you're maybe small and I have to make myself a wee tiny contemptible thing, a wee object to be despised, but loved by Jesus. That's nonsense. Be a man and grow into a man that's in love with him and a woman. The word make here is they who humble themselves before God and acknowledge their utter dependence upon him. And here's the thing, if we don't acknowledge that without him we can do nothing, if we're not in the vine we cannot bear fruit. And then we look at our lives and we say, Lord, where am I with you? Where am I with you? Am I bearing fruit? 
in my, in my mood, my temperament, where my body takes you, Lord, uh, to the worldliness. And, uh, is this fruitful for you, O oh God? Where am I, Lord, with you? And come under the sound of God's word. Come under the authority of God's word. And come so small that you will see him so big. And you will be so great. That's the idea of it. That it's not the storm and the mountain. To say to the storm and the mountain, the circumstance and the problem. Look how big you are. But to say to all those things. Look how big my God is. I'm small. I'm human. I fail. I falter. I'm all the time letting you down, Lord. But Lord, I'm doing my utmost in your grace. And I know, Lord, that this which is standing against me is going to fall in Jesus' name. There's going to be a breakthrough. He's going to bring you out. He's going to make you victorious and overcomer. And you will be in triumphant. It's humbling ourselves under the, the mighty hand of God and he'll lift us up. Here we have the meek are they who humble themselves before God and acknowledge their dependence upon him. Listen, this is what it means. I've wrote this down. We accept him. And we accept his dealings with us as all good. This stems from trust, trust in God's goodness. And his control over the situation. And here's what I wrote. The meek person is not occupied with self all the time. The meek person is not occupied with self all the time. Have you ever heard the story of Narcissus? And Nemesis? Narcissus. It's all Greek mythology now, but it's just a story. But let me tell you a little about it. Narcissus was beautiful. He was a, a young man, God. Small g, we know there is no other God. But everyone looked at him all the time, saw the beauty in him, saw something in him. And Narcissus wondered what they were all looking at all the time. And Narcissus looked down his nose at them. Why are you looking at me all the time? What is it you see in me? Nemesis comes. This was another Greek so-called god. And Nemesis brings Narcissus to a pond. And he says, look, that's what they're looking at. And Narcissus looks at the pond. And he looks a minute and he dwells there a little too long. And the story is that Narcissus stayed there. And couldn't drag himself away for looking at himself until he died. Now here's the thing. There's two sides of the coin here. You can look at yourself and be so introverted that everything that's happening around you, you'll gaze at it so long you'll die. Because you're always looking for self. You'll die. Or you can look and see what you're meant to see. A reflection of who you are. A reflection of how God sees you in his word. And walk away with that. And do something with it. And live. 
where you get the word narcissistic from. And sometimes we look at ourselves so long, we die. Sometimes we get so comfortable and it's all about me and us and what we can get and what we have and our, 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 our comforts and act well and not even bother with a meeting. And, you know, and all, you know what happens? You die. Not go and read the word and not go and praise and not worship. You die. Instead of fixing your mind, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And when you set them, it gives the idea, take your mind and purpose it completely on the things above. And wherever you are, no matter what you're thinking or how you're feeling or what you've come in with this morning, take your mind off it and take it away from the narcissist story where he looks until he dies. Stop looking at who you are in the negative. Stop looking at who you are and saying, well, I'll just stay here till I die and look above and live. When you look above, you'll see Christ. So we'll close on this. God and our, this is our last and small things in the hands of a big God. Listen, God saw a temple. Remember Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. God saw a temple in all that rubble. Who hath despised the day of small things? The enemy saw rubble. God saw a rebuilt temple. You might see yourself as rubble, but you're a lively stone in Christ and he's building his temple, a spiritual temple. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hannah, remember she was crying. Hannah was barren and saw no future for her. God saw Hannah where she was and God saw her son, Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of Israel. God saw Israel and Canaan when they sent the spies over. Remember, Caleb says, let us go up at once. For we are well able, remember, God saw their final victory before they even entered into it. In fact, most of them went back and died by looking inward to themselves again. And not looking up and out to God. God saw Israel as conquerors as they were, saw themselves as grasshoppers. Moses was a lawgiver, but yet he was a stutterer and a stammerer and unable to lead God's people. But God says, you're the man, I'm choosing you, and I get on with the job. And God made him a great deliverer. God saw Gideon, a mighty man of valor, yet he was hiding behind the the, the wine press of the threshing floor. He was threshing wheat there. And God says, you're a mighty man of valor. You see, God sees you different than you do. God sees you, what he can do in you, what he'll do with you. God sees already the breakthrough, what's happening in you. And God says, look, just step out and trust me. Just hold on and I'll bring you out. God saw Samson as a mighty warrior. Here's the thing. So did Samson. Samson saw Samson. The Spirit of God's on me. I'm in covenant with you. I can take on these thousand Philistines. Give me that small thing, the jawbone of an ass, and he slew every one of the enemy. See yourself in God and through the eyes and see that circumstance. But let the Word of God be a mirror and wash you. Fix your mind and change it. 
Let's repent of our ways. Let's repent of the things we've held God back in. Let's repent. Let's change our minds. Let's change our hearts and open ourselves to him. Small things in the hands of a big God can accomplish great achievements. God bless his word. Thank you for your attention this morning. The Lord bless you. That's the last one we'll do on those. We'll see how God leads us and as well next week. Bless his name. Let's receive the Lord's tithe.